Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and to follow a theme from last week's episode, I've gone back to the AI well one more time, and uh, in search of a nickname for my good friend, Luke Gledall, I uh, asked the question, here are potential nicknames for your friend, Luke Gledall. Lukey, Lucky, Lulu, Lukeman, Luco, Lukester, Luke Buke, Luke Duke, Luke Wook, Luke Rook. Gleddy, Gleed, Gledder, Gledster, Gleds, whatever you call him. He's just an all-round good chap. Dr. Luke Gledall, my, co- my co-host with the co-most. How are you doing today, Luke? <laughs> I'm good. I'm just bringing that co-most energy. Co-most. Comatose. <clears throat> Shall we pick up where we left off? So we've we've done half the squad at this point. <laughs> um, and we're nibbling from top and bottom. We're we're doing the, the thing that's not a good idea with a uh, a burrito and eating the top and the bottom at the same time. Um, it's a recipe for disaster with a burrito. But I think for giving a squad of football players a school-like grade... It works rather well. Oh, uh, nice. So we, we 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 jump off at this. Uh, our jump off point this episode is number eight, Dennis Adenaran. So it's a real sadness that the man we affectionately refer to as Den Den has been out of action so much this season. A lot of our promise from last year just felt halted, and he's only had a few pretty decent cup appearances from what I can call, including two absolute belters of wonder goals. I've seen a friend now still that seems to talk about how little he's played in total over what he's had of a footballing career so far. And uh, to be fair, it's a little concerning. Regardless of the pass, I hope he is back soon. He, we get a token C plus for Den Den. Do you know, it's interesting. Uh, C plus seems fair. Uh, it's a shame again, isn't it, that uh, there's so much potential there. Mm. Um, once again, we're talking about ages of a good age, just 23 years old. Um, but blighted uh, by by injury and persistent sort of injury upon injury seems to be uh, the way of things for for his time at Wednesday. Um, yeah, some wonder goals, but it, I, I was sort of surprised. I was I sort of like, oh, did did uh, Adoniram play this season? You know, like uh, that was my initial thought. But it, it's easy to forget because it was way back in the the sunny days of August. His uh, he played his last mm. football. So a lot of time has a lot of water's gone under the bridge. A lot of time has passed. Um, he seems to constantly be on the cusp of nearly back. Um, and I don't know if you picked up on this. I suppose it, this could wait till we talk about the player himself. But did you see the uh, interview where Moore went into a bit more detail about Byers and his injury? I didn't. I'm uh, interested to hear what it is. Well. It- it it sort of explained a lot, but also kind of frustrated in a way as well. But basically it was sort of saying like Byers had been, because I think Byers was a, a classic one of these where he was two weeks away and then that two weeks kept getting extended and extended. Mm. Um, and he was just sort of saying like, basically he's been fit enough and from the scans and things like that, things are healed enough for him to get out on the pitch and train with the players several times. But it's been, he said, he was sort of saying basically at some level, it's what, how comfortable do the players feel and how confident are they in whatever's injured? So it's like, it sounded like Byers had had several periods where he'd got onto the pitch, maybe had a day or part of a day's training and then kind of come in and been like, "Mm, yeah, I just felt like if I pushed it, it would go. 
Um, so then they're kind of almost back to square one in terms of rest and rehab. And it did make me think like, it's not out of the question. You can sort of imagine that happening an awful lot uh, with, with players. And I'm sure that's mm. part of it. You want to be abundantly careful. You don't want people to push to the point where they need surgery for something. Yeah. Um, so these injuries where you're trying to heal a soft tissue injury or or something along those lines, I think it just is a case of, it's a combination of what does the, what does the physiology tell you? But then also, how does it feel when the player's out on the pitch? And some of that will be mentality and psychology. And some players will be willing to go through pain barriers that others won't and things like that. Um, I remember um, Paul Sturrock talking about Steve Adams, who we had uh, a player that was similarly constantly beset by injury. But they said he was saying it's tricky because breaking at some point when you're building muscle over if you've had surgery or if you've had a bad injury, you're building muscle on top of scar tissue. And that hurts. There's a lot of pain associated with it. It's, you're not doing anything bad. You're not hurting yourself, but it mm. is painful. You're breaking down tissue that's there and, and replacing it with with new tissue, hopefully better, healthy tissue. But that, but it's a painful experience. And I think for some people that will be a barrier. Though they just won't want to push past the the scar tissue phase. But yeah, just I just thought it was interesting. You know, with, it sort of explains people like Ed and Aaron who kind of it's like why is this like, why are they constantly like almost they're out on the pitch or they play this training game and then they never quite make it to the first team. And it it kind of filled in some gaps for me that have probably been there for a long time in that. Yeah. It is just that little, it's that step of feel is, is, is all important, but, but a big hurdle to overcome. Hopefully we'll see him. He's supposed to be having a training match uh, this week, which he is supposed to play in. Um, and he's supposed to be back. That was according to uh, Famuo's or Famuo was in the same uh, bag with that. Uh, so hopefully they're, they're in contention for Boxing Day and, and beyond. So it'd be lovely to have him back. It'd be lovely if he could find that initial form. Uh, but we're in the position where we've had way more of him injured than we've had of him playing and expecting yeah. alternate outcomes. I, it feels it feels a bit hopeful. And I mean, it was interesting to talk about Volks last week because, you know, I, I feel, again, maybe a bit similar to Volks. Like, he's maybe the closest thing we've got to a defensive midfield option. But, yeah. you know, yeah. one I forget so much about because he's just, um, he hasn't been around a great deal. And it's it's really no, sad. I, I really like him as a player. He's yeah. Really, has a lot of talents. He's very charming. Seems like a lovely young man. Yeah. And uh yeah, it's 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 sad what's happened to him this season. Yeah. Well fingers crossed, uh it's not the whole story and uh, by the time we get around to maybe a full season, uh it's it's mm. a bit of a different tale. Um so jumping again to the the bottom of things, uh the first of our Millers uh <laughs> that we uh, we scooped up in the summer. Um Michael Smith. Hmm. So, Rich, this episode, I think, will be the second one. We put it in the first episode on Christmas Day. Second one is probably a bit later in the 12 Days of Christmas. 12 Days of Christmas, which starts on Christmas Day. I mean, that, that's, uh, can we just say that's that's done? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. I mean, if you, like, if you have Latin... to, if you have to move uh, what is kind of traditionally a pagan ceremony around the winter solstice um, and just shoehorn. Jesus being born into that, which like you know our, our Christian society yeah. has pushed that on, then um, then I don't know, make it a bit more, bit more functional, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Anyway, the point I'm getting at though, Rich, is in this season of festivity, 
Many Wednesdayites will sit themselves down on the sofa or comfy chair of choice, give a chocolate orange a faithful tap and unwrap on the armrest, and peruse through the latest that the TV has to offer. <laughs> While that sounds a cozy and dated tradition, alas, they probably won't be like Lou Gladol and go watch Richard Curtis' 1991 made-for-TV movie Bernard and the Genie again, but they might well seek out some on-demand entertainment from Netflix. <laughs> now, Netflix seems to have a stable in constant small-screen film releases, and they do seem to have releases of, like, The Tripe of The Man from Toronto, where Kevin, Car- Kevin Hart finds himself miraculously wound up in a heap of trouble with the wrong guys. You'd imagine that those Wednesdayites might enjoy the forthcoming Netflix Sheffield Wednesday-themed buddy buffoon comedy, The Awkward Buggers. In The Awkward Buggers, Callum Patterson and Michael Smith get themselves into heaps of poo-poo, by pretending to be meaty, awkward boogers and are actually found out to be just lame, awkward boogers with hilarious <laughs> results. Or maybe a different audience will enjoy it, because I don't. Michael Smith is full Emperor's New Clothes in his performances on the pitch at Hillsborough. He doesn't give opposition defences hell. And I feel like, despite a semi-decent return in front of goal, I find it difficult to think about him starting games. He doesn't offer enough of the other things to make me think he is a definite starter. He will probably get games for being fitter than the other options, and so we might see him scramble to 10 league goals with enough games. Though I must say, he has seven currently, and three of those are thanks to cup games, so he's only four league goals. I hope he has a much better second half of the season here, so he can improve over this very average and damning B- mark. Oof. Yeah. You said it, Rich. I don't... <laughs> Thank you for being a lot more concerted than my uh, my lengthy tirade about him. I just go. <laughs> oh. Well, yeah, I'm. I'm well, I'm. Ple- we've not spoken at length about Smith, so I was in- I, I was interested because obviously goals do carry things a long way, and he's got some important goals. Um, he seems a decent enough goal getter by and large, but I've been massively disappointed with his all round game. I yeah. don't know what I don't know whether so here's what I thought we were we were getting Michael Smith <laughs> I have watched him play against us uh several times mainly for mainly for Rotherham but this mm. is what I I would have as you touched on awkward bugger just somebody who's a nuisance he's all knees and elbows he's big he competes in the air he'll smash people out of the way you'll give away the odd foul you'll get yellows but he's hard to play against you come off knowing you've had a game against michael smith what we've got is kind of a very normal number nine who sometimes runs the channels sometimes tries to get in behind sometimes scores a header but doesn't do doesn't rough people up doesn't kind of case in point you know there's a there's been there's several there's uh there was a game uh it won't matter what game it was, but I think it was the Exeter game. But like, uh-huh. so the ball, somebody has a shot or somebody has a cross and it balloons up off the first man and it's kind of hanging in the air over the edge of the penalty area. And now the person I thought Michael Smith was would compete for that, elbows, arms first, in the defender's face and kind of win the header, make something happen, either for himself or a teammate. The Michael Smith we have stands off and hopes that the ball drops for him. And it's like inherently not what I thought we were getting. And it's not what I thought we needed. I thought we needed that awkward, ugly side. We needed a bit more of that last season. And he's not, he isn't that. Has he always, has he never been that? Has it always just been our defence's allergy to height that's made him, we play him awkward because he's big. 
And therefore, even though he's not awkward, we make him look awkward. Or is is he being asked, like so many people, to do something that's probably not really what he's particularly good at? Maybe, maybe I I can definitely tell you that uh, he is uh, he has severely been lacking in those battles. Like I've yeah. never I've never felt he's been you know stepped up to the mark not, as as a competitor over. in any of those. He's too big to get fouls, but he falls over like a guy that should, would get fouls in those situations. He, and he doesn't get fouls. No, he's never going to. He's massive. Mm. Interestingly, I thought Gregory was a similar type, but Gregory is different in a way that I absolutely love and enjoy. Mm. Um, but I, I, I just find Smith hugely frustrating. I Every time he plays on his own, I just wish he was Gregory. Yeah. Um. And I don't think he's gelled with any partner particularly well. And I don't know that he ever will because I don't, it, it, when he plays with Gregory, he plays off Gregory, despite being the bigger man. Yeah. And there's nobody he can play off other than Gregory. Nobody else can do that role for us. We would expect a Wilkes or a Windass to play off of him. Yeah. But it can't work because he's no good as a, ta- he's not a target man. Mm. He's not a rough and tumble centre forward that wins all his headers. He's uh he's Jordan well, he's better than he's better than Jordan Rhodes, let's be fair. But he's that style. He's a he's a box striker, box striker number nine, but he's massive. Uh, pointlessly massive because he never uses it. He doesn't muscle you out of the way. He doesn't win headers he shouldn't win because he's so big and strong. He scores good chances if you give it to him on a plate. And that's about it. That's that's what he'd um yeah, really, really, really disappointed in him so far. I don't know. I don't. The only, the only thing covering in the in the kind of uh, Emperor's New Clothes scenario, the only like thin paper massage pants that are covering his his nethers uh, is the goals, and even that is increasingly <laughs> threadbare. It's pretty <laughs> sparse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it's tricky, and I think he's he's kind of case in point, hand in hand. The the issue with this squad is scoring goals, and I think he's a big part of it. I think we're trying to work him into a system that worked better last season, and he has not been an additive. He is he's almost wholly taken away. Yeah. Um. The the we've had injury after injury at the back, but the defense works really well. We have an uh, embarrassment of riches up top, and none of the combinations seem to produce anything worth worth playing a second game in a row. Um yeah. Um shall we so we'll mosey along. I mean this is the the it's the the hidden genius of this format is that we mm. go from Michael Smith to number nine, Lee Gregory. He's a striker, he's a number nine, Lee Gregory. He is. Gregory's an interesting one. Um a player who hasn't gone to speed to revisit in his exhilarating, talismatic, onion-bagging shithousery of 21-2022, but oh. still enough of a streak between getting up to speed and the knocks he has had to be credible. I think Gregory is weirdly marked by the fact that he isn't the other striking options. And forgive spoilers here, but we can play Wednesday striker guess who. He actually is a target man who works on it and has a nasty streak to him, knock down Smith and Patterson, and seems to live and exist within the striking category in a natural manner. Knock down Windass and Wilkes. <laughs> I still hope for more from him. I think a B is a decent call here for what he's done so yeah. far this this season. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good shout. Absolutely, I I would agree with that that rating. Um, he just what I what I love about him is just he he just stops things being easy for the opposition in a way. It's just what you want. 
the ball will stay undoubtedly stay in their half that little bit longer as a result of Gregory playing, which you can't say about Smith, for instance. Like he makes them take that extra touch. He makes them rush that pass. He makes them forces them into decisions, forces them to turn around. He he just works his socks off all the time to to make life difficult for the opposition. Um and Jen, and then we see goals come from that. He's, you're right. He's, I mean, he's like all strikers. He's kind of streaky in terms of how, how his goals come, and he's, he's kind of, he's, he's off the streak at this point in time, uh, as is most of the team. Because uh, it's because it's, it's one of those things as well in terms of the the overall picture. There's a strength that we have twenty players that have scored goals this season, but it's also the fact nobody has scored more than four is its own weakness because you need that one person when the chips are down that's going to make that one chance. And we play Smith like he's that one person that's going to make the chance. He's not really lived up to that yet. But uh, I think Gregory, given the same opportunities, given the same moments, would probably have a better return than Smith has had. Um, But we there's just... There's so many compromises to make this team the shape and uh, style that it is and Gregory's another one that's almost been a little bit sacrificed for, for that uh, and, but, but despite that he, he's made a great fist of, he's really really good mm. uh, <laughs> um, next up is the uh, the other player we pinched off the Millers uh, is uh, Ehekwe, Michael Ehekwe number um... 20 I'm glad you mentioned that, Rich, because um, in the summer of 2022, Rotherham United had their pants pulled down twice by Sheffield Wednesday with the free agent double signing of Smith and Ahekwe. Smith was probably the most publicly embarrassing kegging the Millers have ever had, but maybe a dismantling of their spine with the signing of Ahekwe was more damaging than the blushing toy towners could bear to accept. Protests of OGs and massive blunders from the Rotherham fans probably being the equivalent of, yeah, but I bet she has an STD anyway. I'm yet to see why a reliable and sturdy addition to the Wednesday backline harem made them think that sticking with an aging Riching Wood was better than a Heckway. <laughs> but Wednesday, the arrival of a non-radical and solid centre-back is great when other options seem silly. Happy with him, and it's never particularly worrying to say him in the, in the 11. Um, gutted by his recent injury, um, but I think I'm going with a pretty comfortable and solid B for the man. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, he's been he's been really good. He's been... Uh, I think I probably like him a bit more than Hennigan over, overall in terms of what we've seen. I, um, I think that's totally fair. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, let me. What did I give Hennigan again? Did I give Hennigan a B plus or a B? <laughs> it's been I a long episode. Remember. It's been a long, long old episode, folks. Split into two that we're doing. I'm just going to scroll back and see what you got there. Did Mr. Hennigan? So yeah, no, I think he's he's a bit more. I got a B plus for Hennigan. I think I'm going to grade Hackaway to a B plus as well. Okay, I think I think they're very kind of similar, just in different ways. <sighs> like Hennigan yeah. seems like this the big show, you know. It's like it's yeah. I've got to do this big rescue moment to, but Hackaway just feels a bit quieter and just yeah. feels a bit more unassuming and making things happen on a less kind of bombastic, less big screen version. Yeah. Um and I think that's it. Also, Hackaway as well. Um, You've you've heard the man talk in a in a post match or a pre match presser, haven't you, Rich? Um, remind me what I. <laughs> He's Scouse. Oh yes, yes. It's so weird. I just don't expect him to be like from that neck of the woods completely. <laughs> I mean, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, we've got a lot of 
Um, we have a lot of players who are. It's interesting looking through trans- transfer mart. Um, looking at the players, <laughs> transfer mart. It's very much a lot of players who are both English and Nigerian contention. Yes, we have several of those. Several of those players at Sheffield Wednesday, and um, <laughs> and yeah, and he's, he's he's not one of those. And I mean, but you know, obviously, he's, uh, it's fine for him to be born wherever and have any upbringing. But it's just strange. I don't know. It's just weird every time I see being in the uh, icky. Icky, as he's called, is uh, is from 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 over there. She's a bit strange. Wow. Um, wow. But he's yeah, he's good. I'm I'm really glad. I'm really glad we made that signing. I'm glad he came in. It just is so strange. And I've I've written that about Smith. And you know, we've just covered him. It's just such yeah. a a disappointment that I think people. Yeah, it's interesting. People I think thought that he was the real. Uh, he was just the little. The little kind of soft, kind of solid jab yes. before the knockout blow that was Smith with that double yeah, signing, yeah. little jib jab. Um, but you know, I I think there's a we've had a hell of a lot more value to the man than than Michael Smith, no, and he's been a lot more, a lot better, better signing. And yeah, I'm happy with him. Hope he comes back soon. Yeah, I just I think we just we were crying out for some of these these players, some of these kind of established third tier players who are pretty solid. Yeah. And uh yeah, glad glad he's here, glad he's doing his stuff. Hope he's hope he's back soon. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I've I've been very pleased. I've been very pleased. I think the only kind of tricky moments he's had have been the le- he's he's not the most natural being the left side of the three, but he still does a job there. It's just he's just that's just not quite as calm and controlled as as he is in the middle or or on the right-hand side, but yeah, overall very very pleased with him. Um Next up is number ten, the captain Barry Bannon. And uh, again, looking this from a different gravy lens, I mean, what more is there to say about Barry Bannon? You know, we are precursing this. This is our first episode coming back to doing the podcast, of which we signed off our weekly, um, a weekly mentality, looking at the landscape of putting Barry Bannon in some of our favorite players of all time. Mm. And you know, and maybe maybe Barry has had a wee skinful in celebration, and we deal with the mind hangover that he has as a professional footballer. <laughs> the feeling of him sn- hitting the snooze button has shown that still, with a mildly underwhelming output on the pitch, he's still coming up with the goods and effortlessly ghosting into two handfuls of man of the match awards. <laughs> the idea of him ghosting anywhere kind of implies some spirited Kieran Lee sneaky arrival. And that kind of seems off with his blessed little little pegs clattering around the pitch. <laughs> awkward, awkward and running, then providing a genius telling pass or beaming in another rare but predictable worldie. I think this is very much up for debate, but the tactics of removing Baz from the free number 10 role has really led to some disappointing output from him. Still producing the goods, but not as magnificent as last season. Um, again, now it's kind of done with another lens of looking at this this injury he's picked up which mm. seemed very telling, and we still don't really know how bad it is. I mean, the difficult thing from that is, I'll just sum up, I'll sum up my rating. So oh, I think it's an A- minus for me for his work this season. Moving on from there and looking at Barry Bannon and thinking about the fabric of him at Sheffield Wednesday, I think the really disappointing thing is to think that so much of what we do is reliant on Barry Bannon. And sometimes if it doesn't look like it's working, it's difficult to see. I think it's a lot of Wednesday fans, you know, seen us on Al's talk and at different places as well. I think people are like, 
we have so many great players who can come into that centre mid, then surely that will give us an idea to try and define something that works without him. And depressingly so far, I think it's looking like it's we don't we don't have that. So it's it's a huge miss yeah. both for his output and both who he is as one of those players in the middle of the pitch as well. Yeah, it's he's I don't he was an absolute revelation mm. in that forward role last season. He got goals, he kept up his number of assists. He just like he's been a great player forever, and then he was just became an unbelievably good player towards the end of last season. And I don't, uh, I don't understand the thinking with what I, I don't know what Josh Windass has over. We'll get to Josh Windass, but I don't know what he has over Darren. But he is give he is being given so so much of this squad is suffering to give to give Josh Windass a free role, which he does. Very little. Bannon would be better, but if Bannon was playing Josh Windus's role, he'd, he'd have more goals, more assists. Uh, the team would be would have more wins. I, I, I've got almost no doubt in my mind about that. If you play, just swapped him in for. Don't play Windus in Bannon's role, by the way. Don't do that. Drop him, play somebody else. Mm. But if, if 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 you dropped Bannon in for Windus's role that he's been given the privilege of playing this season. It, he would have so many goals and so many so many assists. We would have so we would have more points. We would have won more games. Uh, just the, undoubtedly, that would have been the case. Mm. I know he's older, and the part of the thing of you know signing him for another period of time is we'll we'll get that kind of. I was thinking it just temporarily. You know the kind of vampiric lifespan of like hundred years or whatever. So like you get to see everybody you love die. There's a bit like of that with football, like because you get to see generations of teams come through and fade. And like that's the thing with Barry Bannon. Like we've we've we, we love him so much, and he's earned the right for us to watch him fade in front of us, uh, which is a shame in some ways. But it's also you know we get to enjoy the the great moments as well. And I don't feel like he's got any. Worse as a player, he still seems to ha- have a tremendous uh, zest for for uh, appetite for things. He still seems to have great vision, great energy levels. Um, I think we're managing him a bit more, which I think is sensible. He gets taken off occasionally towards the end of games, which is good. Um, but I don't know why he's had he's kind of had his wings clipped to the extent that he's had this season. I don't think he's deserved that, and I don't mm. think it's helped us doing it. Um, because it, it also doesn't help us in the midfield, because I foolishly sort of said when, when Bannon got injured, you know, maybe it gives us an opportunity to have a bit more of a balanced midfield, because we're still giving Bannon a fair amount of freedom to do what he likes. It's just he's not allowed to do it in attack. He just does it in midfield. He's not being told to mark people or or sit back market particularly mm. he's given quite a lot of freedom so then you've got him who's given a lot of freedom Windas given complete freedom when Delhi Bashiru plays he's asked to push forward when he gets the ball so you kind of got three people all pushing forward and not really having a huge amount of defensive responsibility all falls back on Volks um and as we said that unit is working particularly well so you'd sort of think like okay if we're making if we're keeping clean sheets by and large, and these guys have all got the freedom, then it must just be Rosie in the garden, right? But it's not working. We're not seeing the return for this. I would like a lot more structure <laughs> to how we how we approach games. I do, it just too often there's this mulch, and I don't I don't know if you heard Darren Moore's interview after the the uh, Oxford game, but it was kind of worrying in a way. 
he was interviewed on Radio Sheffield, and they were sort of saying like, you know, these players, some of them don't look like they're trying, and some he's like, oh yeah, they'll learn. Oh, we need to watch things, and then they'll learn. <sighs> like that's a huge accusation. That man is accusing you of doing your job very badly, and your response is, oh yeah, they'll learn. You should be offended. You should be saying no. Of the course, they're trying. They're all trying their hardest, but. You shouldn't be going, oh, we'll watch the video and maybe they weren't trying. But it doesn't seem to matter. It, mm. It's like it's like we don't care what happens in the midfield. We just give up the midfield every single game because we can lump it long and Gregory or Smith will kind of fumble our way into something. Um, or we go the, we're reasonably good going up the wings. But again, we're cutting, cutting out the midfield to go up the wings. We just try and hit the wings as quickly as possible and get a ball in. But we don't do anything through the midfield, by and large. It's lovely when we do. But by and large, we're not planning to do that. We're not playing through that midfield. We're just giving it up. They're going to have more players in midfield. They're going to win the midfield battle. And we'll just live with that. And I don't know why we keep making that decision. We're not seeing the rewards for it. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to look back. So I think was it so I I like this about flash score. You can look at the top scorers mm. for the league and it will basically anyone who's even, they will attribute whoever's highest with assists. Right, yes. So basically Bannon <coughs> is the best Wednesday player in terms of output. He's on, as you've mentioned, the many milestone that many of the Wednesday players are on of four goals, but he oh, has yeah. six assists, which is really yeah. good. And then if you look back at Bannon's season last year, from what I've just been given, it's 47 games last year, nine goals, 12 assists, deliciously close to double figures. Incredible mm. season. Best season of assists for him, beating even 18-19 when he got four goals, 11 assists. So he's, he's almost on par with matching kind of here we are at the halfway stage, that kind of output. It's yeah. it's super, super close. But it, I, I don't know why it just it feels different. I mean, now he's injured. Um, still, we don't know how bad that is. It sounded really bad, but then I know I've heard some rumblings that it the, isn't the, quite as terrible. Yeah, the noises since have been fairly positive, haven't? They? Yeah, but we obviously we haven't seen him in the matchday squad. Um, no. Yeah, so I don't know. It is it is weird. I I want to see a Bannon on form and singing <clears throat> for Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, it's not, it's not quite there right now in some weird way. The, the benefit of giving Bannon a free roll is he will work his socks off to get away from whoever is marking him. By having him where he plays now, and I appreciate statistically he's his output hasn't dropped, but it feels like he's having less influence on games. And part of that is he's have, he's sitting in the midfield role and people teams naturally go, okay, sit on Bannon. Your job's go follow Bannon around. The more rain you give him, and he tends to get more freedom as the game goes on because we're chasing things or whatever. But the more rain you give him, the easier it is for him to find pockets where that player just simply shouldn't go or won't go. Um, but but yeah, the, the the more often than not, what we're doing is giving Windass that role of run wherever, go wherever, and and Bannon has to play in midfield, has to keep a, the discipline of staying in that position, which means he's so much easier to mark, and he can't have that same influence. But it, it, more, it was it was how joyous was it seeing him just arrive late in the box, and it, I know for all the goals he got, it's also the ones that he, with the nearly goals we had as well. Like I remember him having sort of messy like moments of just picking the ball up and running past two or three players in their box. You know, like all these things we're not seeing this season because he's not there. He's not being allowed to. 
Mm. And I don't know what he did to <laughs> be punished and have those those rights taken away from yeah. him. Nothing that I've seen anyway. Um let's leave it there for Bannon because we'll we can talk about the, the 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 there'll be other opportunities to talk about the midfield and shape of things. Uh next up is Tyreek Backinson. Um So Backinson, Bakinson. Backinson? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Let's go with Backinson. Tyreek. So he is the last player I made notes on. Okay. So the Backinson is a little trying to think of. Um it's it's a difficult puzzle to solve with Tyreek Backinson. I've enjoyed quite a few of his moments this season so far, and I think that has to merit something. Again, he's maybe swinging the same hooch behind the bike shed that Master Fizeo is on in the world of young midfield prodigy with some scintillating moments. Yeah. To paraphrase Courtney Love, but Fizeo, I'm a little bit older than you, and we're <laughs> maybe seeing what the fans of Bristol City have thought about him. He's a world-beater at times and then a little bit anonymous. Some delicious through balls to provide some telling moments, and mm. I'm staggered that his flash score scats only warrants one goal and one assist when I feel and think like he has done more. I think he could do with an extended run, but I think I'm coming out with that and being thinking maybe I'm a little bit generous at this time of year. Also, he seems to be one of the many midfield players we have who can play, but you don't get a strong inkling that he's a complete player and lacks a bit of defensive guile. If the midfield's a puzzle is another middle piece and we lack the outside pieces, I'm thinking of a B minus for him. I like I like a B minus for him, yeah. Yeah, there's things I like about him. I mean, one, it's nice to have a bit of height. Um, we've got a mm. fairly short midfield overall. Uh, at times with Bannon and Luongo, it was sort of laughably short uh, when the the occasional bout of head tennis breaks out in the middle of a, a League One game, <laughs> as, as is wont to happen. Um, but so that's, I mean, that's good. Um, I like his vision. He tries to play passes and actually not many players outside of Bannon really try and play pick passes forward and uh, yesterday he was uh, in the Oxford game he was frustrating because none of them came off but at least he was trying to I like he likes to sort of hook balls in behind um which I which I I really enjoy the kind of visual spectacle of uh but you've got to have a fairly good success rate to be allowed to keep doing it and he didn't get any hits (laughs) yesterday which made it for quite a frustrating performance because it just looks like you're handing possession away when you get a through ball wrong um so i like the ambition maybe the the execution is not quite where it should be uh his goal was fantastic i mean that was it really Mm. bringing him on in that moment really added to our momentum as a team and then he's six foot three so yeah he's a real terror in the air and that was a great cross in for him and he absolutely gobbled it up in terms of getting his header on target um so yeah there's things i like and 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 we know he's he's not really done it for us yet but he's got some quality shooting from distance as well which is a nice thing to have in in the locker he's another one i think in the kind of wilkes might and mold as you sort of touched on i I think I would like to see a little bit more of him just to kind of before he's dead and buried in terms of what what we think of him and uh, as a prospect. I'd like to see him given a chance to bed in and make a make a space for himself. Um mm. I think he can can stick in and do the defensive midfield thing, although again it would be kind of limiting him. I think he's got more in his locker than that. Uh so, yeah, I don't know. It's a bit tricky to know how to do it because there's only so many players. If Volks is a given and Bannon is a given, then there's only one free roll. I don't mean the Windass-style free roll. I mean one free space. Um, then how often do you want to go to him? 
I do I, I do wonder whether he could do a Volk sort of job, maybe just as well. Mm. Given half a chance. He's young. He could you know, there's chances for there's chance for him to sort of come on and, and learn a little bit. Um I don't know. But uh, yeah, a kind of qualified success thus far, but there's definitely room to improve. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh so uh next up um is number eleven. It's Trumpy Bum, it's Bartias, it's Josh Windass. Oh, Josh Windass. <laughs> I wanted to talk about Windass and a certain lens made clear about comments rec- uh, semi-recently about Michael Smith. Michael Smith during his better times at the club, which I feel like I've kind of glimpsed over, maybe covered over quite quickly um, as part of my review, um, was labelled a good footballer at one time. I think that label comes easily for someone who's a big, beefy striker because it follows the good feet for a big lad trope massively. But I think (laughs) that completely undermines Josh Windass because he's our best footballing striker. Maybe the problem with Windass becomes one where there still really is no country for young Trumpy Bum. Is he best up front on the wing in a free roll? He's almost never 100% in any of these places. Saying that, he did have an incredible purple rash of form where he looked every bit of the player too good for this league Mm. since then we've come back down to earth very crashingly with some bad performances and then more instances where he's injured i hope if this season ends up being successful then we can look back and praise the efforts and solutions of josh windass though i know that brings another question in of a contract and further deliberation of a player who excitedly hops between form out of form and the treatment table with the speed of a flashy twat break break dancing at the school disco That gets Joshy an enigmatic B plus for his output so far, weighed heavily against the other stuff. Yeah, it's you know, so on some level, and I'm sure there will be people who listen, and I, 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 I hear you. On some level, people will say we're being harsh mm. because he is get he's getting assists, he's getting goals, mm. he's he is our kind of uh, I'm trying to think what you know, he's our kind of spark in terms of most a lot of our attacking play. The question is, is he the best person to do that? And also, all of the things that are making that happen, are they worth? That's that's my tricky thing is I think there's just so much of the team is being sacrificed to allow him these moments, these big spaces. We talked we talked about Bannon and his bravery. You know, we've talked about that several times. You know, Bannon believes, give me that chance, I'm the guy. Um, he, he believes in himself wholeheartedly in that way. And Josh Windass does too, but there's a big question over whether he should. If Josh Windass was the player he thinks he is, man alive, we'd be we'd be top of the tree looking down <laughs> in terms of the league this season. Um, he, the, the 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 sort of gap between his actual ability and his imagined ability is sizable. Mm. Um, and I just yeah, well, like I say, he's taught he t- he's plays selfishly, but doesn't get the doesn't get enough results for that he takes shots when there's other there's much better options on and very rarely hits the target he arrives late on things which is great it's good to get that have that timing that ability to read a moment but then he'll miss the target so often um he's a real frustration and i personally i am i i've seen enough of this experiment of let's make josh windass the star of the show Everything else is sacrificed to put Josh front and centre. I don't think he's up to the task. I don't think he's good enough. I don't yeah. think we're enough. And all too often, he is entirely anonymous in games. He drifts. A free roll for the right player means you pick your moment and you just have such a 
outsized impact on the game. I remember seeing a 17-year-old Gareth Bale run a football match from left back for Southampton. It can happen. We, you know, uh, but the, in the wrong hands, a free roll is dossing about on the outskirts of the game and nibbling when you feel like it. And that is what happens too often. He's not on the wing when he's supposed to be on the wing. He's not tracking back when he could have tracked back. He's not up front when you want him to be up front. He's in the wrong place all the time and not having an influence on the game, not uh, having a positive impact on the ball. And that's that's more often been the case for me. Um, and this feeling that has overcome the team now, I, I mean, it really feels like the overbearing, like you were saying, Luke, we're third, but does, it doesn't feel like it. We rarely ever lose, but it doesn't feel like it. This morass is, the, the fact that it doesn't feel like there's a plan is because we're looking to this person this talismanic figure who is knee-high to a grasshopper in terms of his heart. He's not the guy. You, we should not be pinning our mast to, uh, to, to, to the, you know, the, good, the good ship, Josh Windass. It's not a good route. It's not going to end well. Uh, it's disappointing. It's underwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> I swear we're at. I just love you would use the word morass. That was classic. <laughs> I don't think there's any Sheffield Wednesday podcast that uses the word morass other than different gravy. <laughs> I mean, more morass. I mean, I didn't want more ass. Mm. <laughs> um, right on that note. Um, thank you for your weird compliment, Luke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> It's all right, Rich. There's many, there's many a young woman who's uh, endured such a thing. Um, another, so another performer that. Well, I, I don't want to lead the lead the lead your uh, comments, but maybe another person that looked tremendous towards the tail end of last season, mm. maybe not in themselves uh, so thus far, is Marvin Johnson, number eighteen. We need to talk about Kevin as a weighty 2011 psychological thriller where Tilda Swinton's character struggles to come to terms with the actions of a psychopathic son, Kevin. We need to talk about Marvin as an uninspiring film that simply chronicles our disappointing son Marvin having second seasonitis and never quite getting off the ground. As much as I'd love to see a beleaguered face, Tilda Swinton wearing a flat cap and giving a kooky artisanal northern, for fuck's sake, Marvin, from the North Stand, I think I'd rather just have the old John- Marvin Johnson back. At times amid injury rotation and maybe just being a little bit tosh, we haven't seen enough of the marauding class in the left wing-back slots, and amid defensive issues, we're still wondering if the unassuming but always good Reese James can play there. I hope he caps off his season with a better second-half return. He musters up a disappointing C-plus for some rare nice moments. Yeah, because he started really... He's got he's got a bit better, but he started really, really badly, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, he did. He's... Um, but he's only kind of he, the 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 height of his accomplishments thus far are mid. <laughs> you know, like he started from the basement and he's kind of worked his way up to to kind of yeah, being very very mid. Um... <laughs> started from the basement. Now he's in that in that in that little um... that little nook hole that's underneath the stairs. Started from the bottom. Now he's mid. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I, again, it's another one. I, he's. He's a player who will be susceptible to losing a little bit of pace, losing an edge in terms of pace. He's skillful. He's 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 got um, he's very good at playing uh, crosses from deep. But it also he does rely on his pace, his recover for recovery, for getting past people. Um, and he's a good strong runner still. Um, but as 
time wears on him, he's going to, you know, he's going to have to rely on the the kind of choppy, skillful part of his game and the and the deep crosses more and more. I would imagine. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's been tricky with him because, as you, as we said, he's, he started off so poorly. Um, it's hard to know where he's up to now. I, I do not like him. He's not good at left wing for us. I don't, whatever the we went back to that again uh, for the Oxford game. I don't think we need to. I think we answered the question because that was that he's much better at crossing from left wing from deeper positions, left wing back. Um, and then occasionally surprising teams getting past them and clip, clipping more in from the byline. Uh, but most of his good crosses come come from deep, which he doesn't seem to be able to do as a, as a wing. Just get it's too much in the fray for him. I don't know what it is. His brain, his thinking is a little bit slower than his legs, I think, or something like that. And he sort of needs that little moment gap that being further back in the field gives him to like then make his decision and do things. Um, but yeah, really underwhelming thus far. And and a really important figure who's being underwhelming, which which does make a big difference. Uh, I wouldn't I, like you touched on. I wouldn't mind it, it, when we have more bodies back for centre back berths. I wouldn't mind seeing Reese James playing on that left wing instead, just to see how that goes. Because yeah. I I think his sort of stick to itness and um, you know his, his sort of mindful way of doing everything right and thinking things through uh, might be a really nice addition over there but hopefully it's not it's not a kind of end of the road for thing for Marvin Johnson because he still clearly can whip out a cross it's just they're happening a bit rarer than they did last year uh, but we've still seen some lovely balls in from him and it, oh, he was inches away from an absolute how it sort of goal yesterday as well that one where he came off the corner and just thought like mm. no you want you want a cross, but I am going to absolutely smash this into next week. Uh, and it was probably like, yeah, a matter of like millimeters, probably in terms of his contact, that stops it swerving in rather than just going straight past the the goal. So yeah, close, close, but no cigar so far for for uh, for Marv, big Marv, um, and also from yesterday's game, never the right foot, Marv, never, never the right foot. Just don't pass it with that right foot. You cannot. It's it's good for standing. It's good for running. Don't use it for <laughs> kicking the football. You can't do it. It doesn't work. Um, okay. Next up is Colomp, number 13. Unlucky for some, but is it unlucky for Callum Patterson? Callum Patterson is in his third season with Sheffield Wednesday, which I did initially want to write as fourth season. I've had to correct myself. That feels a lengthy amount of time. I wrote those opening words and felt a looming shadow of uneasiness come over me. In between a little gap between um, talking about Marvin Johnson and getting ready to talk about this written missive that I've come down for Callum Patterson, it made me kind of think back to um, a book I read as a kid, which was the Wisdom Earth Sea series by Ursula Le Guin, which is a fantastic and wonderful fantasy series. I seem to remember the main character, Jed, having a moment. I can't remember which book it's in, and I want to find out. He he uh, rose, his, rose his boat out to the sea to fight the shadow that's chasing him. And I feel a lot of stuff in relation to that. We have a shadow in the club, and it's Callum Patterson. Um, reflection of these thoughts and what I've just said there, Patterson seems a player of the pandemic. I say that, and he has been the football equivalent representing a time of mispromises, New Year's resolutions of better times to come down the line, only to be followed by another variant and wave and the pressing realisation that vaccines won't save us in the way we hoped. 
the overarching feeling we should be mentally better ahead of where we are seems to match up with this overpaid sore thumb Scott. He should know better and should be better on the pitch, but he isn't. That goal against Cardiff seems an incredibly long time ago. He gets a D. I'm sort of surprised at how much football he's he has actually played. I, I feel I was going to say he, he's been fairly underutilized. And I suppose a lot of that he's played all the cup game, uh, so that does add to his his appearance, um, kind of artificially. But um, mm. but he's still play, he's played 13 league games. Uh, I ah, oh, it's it's tricky with him again. I, I think. We we talked previously. We, we've sort of you know we, we we've exchanged text talking about Callum Patterson, and I I do get the feeling. Well, I I read the the what happened in the summer. My reading of it, so he he ended up getting a contract extension because he met a clause. But we knew that there was talk about a new contract through most of last season, um, which didn't seem to go anywhere. And I suspect what's happened is Callum Patterson picked took up the option to take to, to have another year at his existing contract when the club would have rather him not. They would have rather him sign a longer contract at a lower wage uh, or leave. And what Patterson did, probably finding that he couldn't get the same wage elsewhere, was stay at Wednesday for his championship or, or his championship boost wage, whatever. You know, we know from Bannon that they all have clauses to reduce their wages. But still, he's he's... Basically, he's here almost against the club's wishes or Darren Moore's wishes, and I think he's been treated as such. He's only he's played mm. cup games. He's been used very sparingly. Otherwise, what I will say is Patterson, particularly, you know, we've seen his impact that he can have. He plays the game with a great enthusiasm, and it was markedly better against Oxford when Callum Patterson played behind the front men in Windass's role than Windass had done for the whole time. We had an hour of nothing, and then we actually had a big unit that's awkward and tried a bit. And that's the only time we looked like we were having a go. It's the only time that we got close to kind of making anything happen in the game. Uh, he came on the week before and saved, salvaged a point. I, th- I think he's a. I still think he's a good player. I just think this is not a good. It, it's not a good situation for anybody. Um, the I'm not surprised to hear the rumours that he's maybe going to be off in January. Um, I I think he's good enough to have played a lot more than he has for us. Uh, I think yeah. he's treated particularly brilliantly, and I, I and then with under that kind of spotlight or or under that kind of uh, those that set of circumstances, I can understand a player not performing to his best. Mm. Uh, but but then he was somebody who underwhelmed last season. We were excited, given his championship performance, to see what he would do in League One, and he didn't really do it. So uh, whether you could say, you know, he had this chance last season ago, which is which would also be absolutely fair enough. But um, yeah, I have enjoyed his time at the club, and if he does go to to Hearts, goes back to Hearts, um, he. He's someone I will think of fondly. <laughs> um, you know, big-hearted, uh, not the most skillful, but played with his heart on his sleeve. And I think as a fan, that's mostly what you want is somebody that kind of plays with those full-throated emotions that you would probably play with your, play the game with yourself. Mm. Um, so, yeah, um, not the best season. It'd be a shame that this is, it's a shame that this is probably, you know, the last we'll see of him, but, uh, you know. Well, there's been some good memories. Um, we come to uh, number 17. 
I've just figured out that I think we're going to end on a, on on famine woe, which is going to be fairly underwhelming. But uh, as a, well, well, we, we go to we've Lewis. got Lewis, we've got Darren yes. Moore to talk about. So yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, so uh, <laughs> it's number seventeen is for Zayo Deli Bashiru. Deli Bashiru surely lives not as cushy digs as a professional footballer, but actually in an oversized dictionary, tucked in the pages with his nightcap and teddy, lying exactly over the definition of mercurial talent. <laughs> At times scintillating, it almost seems like he lives not for those moments of brute brilliance, but the tears of Wednesday fans on message boards who are bleeding out of their eyes at the concept of him hopping along somewhere else on a free. <laughs> of course, I'm there like the James Franco first time meme, not of any great joy, but almost an apathetic resignation. I feel like I've seen this before. I can imagine him doing the same as he's done at Wednesday elsewhere. And in a weird way, I think he will do exactly the same elsewhere. He will be an electric, talismanic game-changer on occasions, and then flick his radio receiver back to, well, not that. <laughs> I think and hope he pers- perseveres at Wednesday, but I don't besmirch him if he chooses to be elsewhere. Surprisingly, only four league goals. It feels like he should have somehow scored more for how he has been, but who knows? I think this is an all-too-frequent complaint here, and I don't want to tarnish him with the same brush, but we just seemingly have so many players who kind of fit in in systems and places but just not the ones we're employing here at Sheffield Wednesday. I hope it isn't thanks to our fuck-ups that we look that way, and maybe someone else has the personnel to let him flourish more than here, still it's hard to deal with him here in the here and now. I think he, for everything he has and for all his talents, I think he's a perfect B-plus in terms of rating. Nice. Fair. Yeah. I, in many ways, particularly his early season performances, um, he sort of felt a huge amount of pride. I mean, we've been banging the Fizeo Deli Bashiru drum <laughs> uh, pretty heartily the whole time that we've had a podcast. And if he ends up at like AC Milan or into you know or PSG or something ridiculous, I will. It will be like I don't know, such a vindication <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> He's um, but Mercurial is is he looks showstopper one game and then you know, from the bench and then you're like, okay, he needs a start. And then he starts and does nothing. We've, we've seen this. Yeah. We've, we've, we've been down this road. I do think again, he's a player whose best position is probably playing just behind the front man or just off a front man. He's not allowed to do that because the only person that's allowed to do that in this team apparently is Josh Windass come hell or high water. It's only allowed to be Josh Windass. Um, he could terrorize defenses if that was his only job. He struggles. I think he has to manage his energy. He's an explosive athlete. So there's kind of padding he needs to build into his game. You can't go as hard as he goes when he goes all the time. You you have to meter that out over a game. So when he's asked to play a, a midfield role, and often actually he's been asked most of this season, when people say he's not done anything, what he's been asked to do in that game is sit quite deep as a, because Bannon and Windass are doing what they're doing. We can't have Deli Bashiru on the front totally as well. So he ends up being not the most defensive, but a defensive midfielder of the of the three. And it he struggles with that because he doesn't know how to use his gift, which is he can surge past people and unleash an absolute rocket of a shot from that deep position. He's not learned how to do that uh, as effectively. And it, uh, and as I say, he's metering out his energy. His, he is the very image of his hero. He, he, talks, he talks about his hero being Yaya Torre. Yaya Torre was an infuriating person in that when he went, nothing could stop him. 
he would push past two or three players and unleash a shot that was just un just you know, nothing could get in the way. Two keepers couldn't save that. That's a kind of classic Yaya Torre moment. It's a classic Deli Bashiru moment as well. But the thing is, you cannot do that. You, over 90 minutes, you've probably got the the ability, the kind of the gas tank to do that five, six, seven times. You are not doing that all the time. Nobody can. Usain Bolt doesn't do the 100 metres all day, every day. He does 100 metres once or twice a day, and then he has a rest. And in terms, in footballing terms, if you once you do that surge, that 100, that's 100 metres, that 60 metres run, you need then 10, 15 minutes to probably catch your breath, get ready for the next round. But we're he's doing that in a team that has a guy that has no job at all other than frittering around. So he looks even more surplus to requirements. You can have one of those. You can probably have two of those. But you can't have three of them, hmm. um, especially not in League One because it's you know it's a tough old league and everybody works really hard. But um, yeah, I think he's. It's been a pretty successful season. I'd love him to sign a new contract, um, but I also won't begrudge him going elsewhere. I think he's been another person that's been horribly mistreated. I don't believe he's got massively better over this summer. I think he's always been probably about this good and he yeah. should have played yeah. more under Monk. He should have played more under Moore. He should have played uh, in, in the championship. He should have, you know, he should have played more last season. So we, you can't not play someone and treat them poorly and then expect them to gleefully sign their new contract because you've shown your true colours and your true colours are that you will drop them more often than you'll play them. Why would he want to stay here? We're not going to pay him more than other places and we're not going to play him more other places. So what have we got? Yeah. Um, number 14 is Georgie Byers, the general. And to just completely take it down from any enthusiasm that Rich has just shown for George Byers. Now, dear listener, we live in the modern day worlds of conflicted duality. There are many paradoxes in his life and things in life that we want. And then we realize that they aren't what we want at all. For the sake of this episode, Luke Gledel wants to do a half season review. And then following ranking Gregory and moving on to George Byers, he sighs and rolls his eyes and diverts his tension to a stupid Stranger Things match free game game again. And it brings to mind the fact that I literally want to do countless things other than rank buyers. Does Luke want to scrub the bathroom floor? Maybe. Does he want to make the short trip to empty his cat's litter, even picking up his cat Leonard's dried turds from the tile floor? That'd be more productive than committing time talking about another Wednesday player, that is George Byers. Is it because he's terrible? No, not at all. Is it because I hate him? No, actually, it's not that. And I, the fact that I love him, it's the unfathomable weight of being frustrated with another player existing in brief pockets of time at the pitch of Hillsborough, one who, you know, previously was so fantastic. I'm sick of the wonders of last season becoming bit part players this season. We didn't come back to the new season of Friends to see a story arc on fucking Gunter. George Byers should not be the person for me to take this out on. I loved George Byers last season, and I can't stay his blame for ghosting out the season with an injury niggle. Generally, as a Wednesday fan, I almost see the term niggle as being turned out of parents as gone out for milk, as that clearly means they're battling death as it stands. <laughs> Byers has three goals and 15 appearances a season. That's really, really very good in a myriad of four goal players. To be generous, he gets a B minus. Oh, just want him back, Luke. I I want him back. Whatever, whatever we said, whatever we did, we don't mean it, George. We, we just, don't mean it. Just want you back for good. Yeah, yeah. No, I echo absolutely everything you say. Um, he's uh, 
he was underutilized when he was fit, and then he's injured, and now we, yeah, he's a, he feels like the answer to so many problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 he formed a good partnership with Bannon, which makes you think that should be the crux of things. I don't know what what more will do with having the option of Volks and because again, he likes his shiny new toys. Um, so we'll see what happens when he comes back. But yeah, we want we need him back. He's a, such a useful player. Mm. Uh, he does everything. He does a lot. Uh, at times, it's very hard to imagine life without Bannon. But Bayer sort of lets you believe that there is there will be a time beyond the uh, the little ginger one's uh, tenure as captain. <laughs> you know, there are other players out there. They can do passes and they can do goals. Um, and Byers <laughs> is one of the few. <laughs> I want to see him back doing it in the blue and white of Wednesday. I know. I I, I love that uh, write up that you said. Uh, that needs to be his uh, catchphrase on his marketing tagline. You know, said with his poxy southern accent. George Byers, he does passes, he does goals. He does goals. Does goals, he does. <laughs> General George Byers, signing off. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going to be hugely contentious, Luke. What hmm. did you make of the 29 minutes of football we've seen thus far from recent signee... Akin Famewo. Has it has it only been twenty nine minutes? Oh, can you imagine? But what a twenty nine minutes it was, Rich. What a twenty nine minutes it was. The balance, Luke. The balance. I came twice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's like what M people sang about with "One Night in Heaven," didn't they? (laughs) Uh Twenty nine minutes. Twenty nine minutes. (laughs) Twenty (laughs) nine. I know this sounds like I'm protesting my innocence here, but I haven't been disappointed by Famiwo. I am disappointed for Famiwo. I know when I say that, it sounds like I wasn't laughing at you. I was laughing with you. (laughs) But honestly, um, I thought he looked decent, but I also realized I might damn myself in that typical Wednesday fashion of defenders, of defenders playing for Wednesday, who look like they have a little bit on the skill on the ball, looking cultured until they're found out. Um, but we never even reached that day when Ilianta's Wednesday stint, he picked up a nasty knock. That sounds like it's going to be another situation where Wednesday fans don't get to say goodbye to another player this season, thanks to injury. Thankfully, it looks like he's on his way back now, and who knows, he might look decent if he gets an opportunity to play. Though as much as I think I don't willingly want the defence to be shaken up again to include his appearance, I will admit that Sheffield's Wednesday defence is a fucking magic eight ball or snow globe at this point. <laughs> It's made to be shaken up. Um, he gets a tasty bee. They thrive on the chaos. Mm. It's like a um, like a codependent relationship. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. If they ever actually get to go away for like a break to Car- the Caribbean or something together, they'll, the whole relationship will fall apart. A moment of calm would just kill it dead. They they just need constant chaos, constant drama. <laughs> That's where the magic sits for the uh, the Shepherd Wednesday defense. <laughs> um, I've t- I've done a uh, I've done a Buzzcock style sort of lead in to talking about Darren Moore. Are you ready for it? It sounds good. I guess we've got nothing more to say about for me. Well, we've we've been generous. We've uh, we've given. He has oh, the sorry. he has the biggest Sheffield Wednesday minutes to analysis ratio. Yes, that's that's <laughs> incredible. You know. He leads the pack. Leads the pack in minutes to analysis ratio. We can literally say he's got he's had a birthday as a Sheffield Wednesday. That's something we can. Um, okay. 
Um, uh, so yeah, so this is uh, this this we're calling this section more more more. How do you like it? How do you like it? <laughs> and so, Luke, would you say when you're assessing this season, would you say, please, sir, could I have some more? Uh, a little less conversation, a little more action, please. No more drama. <laughs> give me, give me more. Give me more. Give, give me, me, give, give me, me more. more. Or hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. There's so many options to that, Rich. I don't know. Let's see. Let's see if we can come back and after I after we give my analysis, we can see what <laughs> see what bucket we put him in. It might be multiple buckets. Oh, we might have to chop him up. It wasn't even the AI, Luke. That was me. We might have to chop him up and put him in different buckets. <laughs> Sorry, Darren. Nothing nothing dodgy or terrible about that, even though it sounds it. He's a big boy. He's a big boy, you can take it. And finally, we discussed Darren Moore, and because I think there is a more holistic viewpoint of a manager, I weirdly think you'll get one of the more fairest and more rounded reviews from me. Mm. I don't know who's going to come back and listen to this, Rich, but I will say, give a shout out to my eldest brother, Andrew Gledall, has concluded for his visits to Hillsborough this season that Wednesday were essentially a team that doesn't have any great collective tactical nous and a purely a team that has better players than their winning performances. I find it very hard to disagree with that, but I do have to think heavily on some of Moore's pertinent points first before revisiting this and listing out his negatives. Moore seems to have made a diligent amount of noise in his interviews about coming into club and the culture and setup here being a real mess. Mm. I don't have anything to ascertain that, but I think he's done far more than we can imagine, and I think that has to add to his positives. Also, the recruitment has been decent, decent again, and I think Moore's links have helped drastically with that and bringing people in. The defensive recruitments have been good, and while we all sneered at the prospect of Stockers coming in, the old man goalkeeper's antics cruising to new goals conceding lows have maybe been some of the better moments so far. The play has been decent at times, and they can't apply any negative to more Essex injury pandemic, disrupting, disrupting any rhythm in the spine of a team. Remarkably, the defence has been great, though the lack of midfield balance has been very, very strange. Making sacrifices to shoehorn in midfield, forward, Nevermen, FDB and Windass has shown a problem, and I'm not sure how to solve that issue. Also, the striking bears haven't been fire striking pairs haven't been firing greatly, and yet here we are sneakingly close here, sniffing the panties of the pilgrims and the tractor boys. <laughs> a mixed bag all in all, but I still think that it's largely positive from the gaffer. I enjoy his post post match years and his eyes darting off to the side while he thinks. I think it's a B overall. Fair, fair. Yeah, it's, uh, like I say, there's, there's occasionally you do get things that are a bit worrying for, and like the, the like I was saying, that, that when he's a, you know, it's quite a big accusation from a journalist to say, these players don't look like they don't look like they're planned, some of them don't look like they're trying. Mm. To get a kind of stock, I suppose, I suppose I don't want him to like, throw the microphone down and get angry but i just was a bit worried by how how kind of um how blase an answer sort of oh yeah we'll learn like he says that every week you know like every week well, oh it's a point game we'll learn they'll learn they'll, they'll, you know. and it's like huh i don't know it, my sneaking my my sort of uh, i think recording now is quite markedly different because we were talking about the um, me sort of talking, talking up the season, and how, how you know, Luke, we are third, and we are we've scored more goals, and we do this, and and all that stuff is really good. Mm. Um, but it's hard to shake the fact it doesn't feel particularly good. And oh. I think 
what's slightly worrying me, and I can the parallels I'm starting to see more and more are uh, the uh, the Alan Irvin League One season, where everybody likes the manager. We did good recruitment, and we start off well because, as your brother said, we've got better players than everybody else, so we start off well. Because good players are good and and get good results. Um, then that gets found out a bit. People go, oh, well, this player's good at this, so you try and stop them doing this, that, and the other. That's where tactics start to come into it. You then work your way to spring your traps and new traps and all, all the rest of it. Um, but that season under Alan Irvin, we started with good performances and good results. We then had bad performances and good results. And then when it all started to fall away we had bad performers and bad results. And that's when it becomes untenable. And just this familiar, there's a familiar slide, and maybe we'll turn this around in the new year. Maybe we will, and that'd be great. But there's a familiar slide from undefeated in X amount of games Mm. to Y amount of games without a win. And we've had three draws in a row. They've all been terrible performances. We've deserved nothing from those games. We've been very, very lucky to come away with draws in every single one of them. Yeah. And add a, another draw or a loss on the top of that. And that starts to become quite a worrying bit of form. I mean, we we say we keep looking above and, and what's helping us, what's giving us a false sense of security is Ipswich have absolutely hit the, the rocks in terms of their form. So we are looking at it and going, oh, another... Missed opportunity to catch up with Ipswich. But do you know what has happened is Barnsley are right on our heels now. At one point we had a like a like a nine point gap, I think there was, between th- like third and the next team. We uh, that happened with Alan Irvin, if you remember. We were like, oh we're third, we're third, we're third. And then like, oh crap, why are we tenth? And that looks like that could happen here because all of the pack underneath are kind of gaining at the same the people at the top. Portsmouth, Plymouth are kind of themselves, but Ipswich and us have kind of hit the buffers, and but we're allowed to keep up there because we did so well early doors. Yeah. We're still up there. Yeah. But we'll get the shock of, if this form that we're in continues, we'll get the shock of, oh, crap, we're seventh now. Oh, and we're tenth. And now we're thirteenth. We were third three weeks ago. And that's exactly what happened under Irvin. Yeah. We ended up in a relegation battle with a really good squad and a manager that everybody loved. Yeah, and um, you need to address it. if somebody if if a if a local journalist feels emboldened to the point that they can say to you these players aren't trying and they look like they don't have a clue, Darren. Your answer shouldn't be, "Oh well, we'll learn, we'll watch on the tape." If they're not trying, then we'll talk to them. Like that's not the answer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm worried. I am more worried now than I've been for quite some time. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, and I, I think. A B is absolutely fair. We've had a great first half that we've bar- we barely ever lose uh, until the last sort of three four weeks. It, it, it was tremendous. We were third and a very competitive third. But uh, I, yeah, it's I think we're we're sort of like hypnotizing ourselves on the fact that oh we're not losing gap losing ground mm, on yeah. Ipswich because they're playing so badly. But what's happening is everybody else is rising to meet us and. If we don't start picking things up again, then that's that's a that's a more worrying. We, it's weird looking at the stats. Like we are two points, four points off top, two points off Ipswich, four points. Obviously, it's Plymouth at the top as we speak. Yeah, um, this will come out after both Boxing Day and a midweek home match against Port Vale. 
Um, I was really hoping, I think it's probably going to fall off the, the thing, but there were stats about we were, you know, get yourself down to Galsborough. We heard about like it was going to be, yeah, you know, like we're scoring the most goals in English football. And I think we're going to miss out to City unless we fucking fill our boots against Port Vale at home mm. um, on the 29th. So like that was something that's kind of something to be going for it. Looking at the table, here are the stats. We've only lost three games. We're tied in terms of losing three games to Plymouth and Ipswich. They've just cranked those draws into wins on two notches more than us. That yeah. is the two-point difference between us and Ipswich and double that again between us and Plymouth. Yeah. We've got the best goal difference joint with Ipswich in the division. Uh, we're third best for goal scores. We've scored five less than Plymouth and Ipswich. We've also scored as much as Peterborough. Who seem to be falling off right now, mm. which is strange because they just they looked such an electric side earlier on in the season when we played them. And they've um, got tons of, they've scored tons of goals as well. We've got yeah, we've got the second best um goal against record in the league. I mean Barnsley have got sixteen, we've got just conceded seventeen. And they've um, played two games less, Barnsley. They've played two games less. And if they win those two in effect, then they're a point offers. And I know mm. a lot of people are a little bit concerned with the Dingles getting it together now. It it looks like they've had a bit of a flutter early on, but now they're really picking up a counter. Mm. Um, you know, trotting around on all four limbs with six fingers. That's going to happen, right? So, <laughs> um, so like looking at the league, it's just so interesting. It's so crazy. I mean, we've had decent performances at the end beginning of the season. Uh, Windass in all competitions has had six goals. He's had four assists. So technically, he's the highest scoring Wednesday player. Um, not in the league because obviously you've got to think about the, those kind of stats from Bannon, but like that's a better better return because he's got goals in the cup games. Mm. So it's just so weird. But then it's just like look back at those players and you're like, yeah, they were good. They were good for like a bit at the beginning, and now it just seems like there's this real lengthy, rotten December rot. This period during like during the World Cup has been grim. Yeah. You know, I think for a lot of Wednesdayites, a distraction of World Cup football in, you know, wacky, oil-rich Qatar with, uh, you know, a lot of bent human rights kind of mentalities is just, it's, it's just, it's been bizarre, but maybe, maybe it's been a bit of a welcome distraction for the last month. Well, yeah, I mean, when when would you say the last good league performance was? The last good league performance? Fuck, Rich, now you're asking. Was... What would be? What would be? So I think I'm going to pull up the results as well. You're pulling up the results right now. Do you have? Are you there? Yeah. So we 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 beat Shrewsbury's the last win, which was 19th of November in the league. Yeah, we in we we had that cup game against Mansfield where we came from behind in pretty dreadful fashion. And wow, two goals for you know uh, two goals and two assists from Wednesday Boo Boys, uh, Michael yes. Smith and Marvin Johnson. Just yes, and, I mean they were they were nice. They were lovely. Um, I remember the Johnson crosses. And, uh, we yeah, won away at Accrington on the 12th. I remember that being quite good. I, yeah, so to my mind, I think that was the last... I can't remember Shrewsbury. Feel, well, it looks like we had a lot... Oh, uh, that was that was a hard watch, wasn't it? Because Dunkley, Dunkley was back for Shrewsbury and then uh, yeah. looked like he was just having meat and drink from our tall strikers again. Yeah. So that didn't so, didn't do, do much for Smith. Yeah. Probably Accrington. That, that felt like one. that felt a game where I think we should have probably won at the counter. We made it hard work, but we yeah. looked we looked good. We looked incisive, um, and I haven't seen that for a while attacking wise. But you're talking now. So that's over a month. 
Yeah. And five games since the last good performance. Mm. Uh, I mean, I mean, beginning of December, you watched more of that because it was on at stupid o'clock, but the game away against Derby. Um, did you watch that? Uh, I'm struggling to remember it. Yeah, <laughs> I think doesn't... it was pretty anonymous. I think away at Exeter, I thought we were actually much better in the first half than Exeter, and we just didn't get the rub. And then the second half, we just we absolutely fell apart, and Exeter just ramped to it. And, yeah. you know, so fortunate to get that last-minute equaliser through Patterson. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. The game we are recording this on the 18th of December. The game at home against Oxford was we have made mention of just just woeful. It was just shocking. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, a decent point away at Derby. Exeter felt a different way to go. I think we should have done better there. Uh maybe I, I feel like I'm the Derby making... game. I do sort of remember it now. The, we didn't have anything really that resembled any ch- a chance. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't do much either, really, to be honest. Uh, but we we just seem to have lost. I don't know what sort of goals we're hoping to score at this period of time. Yeah. Did you know? Um, did you know for Oxford it was uh, Josh Murphy who missed the penalty? I did. Yeah, the less good Murphy, who looked like he was on the better Murphy at one point. At one point, yeah. But but like the Murphys, I'm not bitter. <laughs> yeah. So there we go. Mm. It's a cautionary note that we uh, that we strike uh, as we as we wrap up mm. this uh, Christmas Christmas special. I mean, the, we're well placed to to go and push and have a, to win the league. It's just things need to change, and I don't know. Maybe we just need that loss to go make some changes. Maybe but we had a big reshuffle for the Oxford game, and lots of things didn't change. So I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Um, we've got we've got three league games between now and the FA Cup game. That's I was thinking that cup games are a chance to try things out, aren't they? But um, that it's uh, there's there's lots of league football between here and there. We can't really wait till then. They're all mm. they're all kind of winnable games though. Fleetwood, Port Vale, and Cambridge. Mm. Table toppers should be expecting to win. Um, so fingers crossed. We have I... been in these blazes before, and then. A performance appears. <laughs> the other, the other truism of more of more tenure, though, is the the fact the games when we have like a seven a ten day build up, we tend to look completely clueless and knackered. Uh, mm. <laughs> the other team looks far fresher, having played three days ago, than we do having played more than a week ago. Mm. So we'll see. But um, yeah. Hopefully, hopefully that's been enjoyable. I know we're not; neither of us are the most positive moods at the moment about things, but uh, it's a little bit tricky, a bit hard after the, this run of three games to feel uh, particularly positive about things. But uh, overall, the picture is being thin. The league's nothing to be sniffed at. Uh, we get we get to enjoy lots of goals, uh, but uh, yeah, things we need a bit of course correction, and hopefully, hopefully that will come. We live in hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as Wednesday fans, not in expectation, because uh, then you will be disappointed, sorely disappointed. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anything else before we sort of wrap things up, Luke? No, um, I I don't know. Maybe I hope this is um, and as provides some entertainment, um, and I hope we're in a better space when we come back and reconnect and do another one of these episodes. But uh, um, fun to come back and fun to vent and release and to do this. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you folks for listening. And thank you, Rich, for your time.
Thank you, Luke. And yeah, thanks, folks, for at home. And uh, yeah, not sure where this will drop in things, but uh, yeah, once again, kind of uh, Christmas will have gone past, but I hope you, uh, you know, uh, have a, a good festive period. Uh, the New Year's coming, so wish you well when that comes. And also conscious of the fact that this is a thoroughly miserable time for lots of people and uh, absolutely feel your pain in that regard too. Uh, so hopefully something to kind of while away a few of those hours, even if uh, uh, it's not the most fan dabby dozy of seasons. Uh, that's uh, that's the, very much the reality for a lot of folks. Uh, so uh, and the pressure to that you should be uh, is rubbish. Mm. So no, no pressure from us. Uh, and uh, yeah, we wish you well. And we don't know when the next one might be, but uh, there might be something else some, somewhere down the line. Um, and uh, hopefully, hopefully you've enjoyed this this missive from the Gravy Boys. We'll uh, we'll, we'll speak to you again soon. Cheerio. See you, folks. Bye bye. Oh, my God.